Hello and welcome to Criticism is Dead, a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means, if it means anything at all. I'm Helen Keskin-Lewis, screenwriter and producer. I'm Jenny Chijang, a culture writer and critic. This week we're discussing Perry Mason and The Big Door Prize, two shows about people reluctantly grappling with their life's potential. <laughs> yeah, man. It's just sometimes you don't want destiny, you know? And sometimes you do. Who's to say? Yeah. Sp- <laughs> Speaking of destiny, how's, how's what's been going on in the destiny journey? <laughs> well, I guess I was destined to watch all of the Hunger Games trilogy over again. Um, you what? I, have you seen this online? Like, oh, I think leading up to the end of March, when the Hunger Games was due to go off of Netflix, um, I think it's on, maybe on Peacock now. Um, mm. but it was kind of getting a mini revival, resurgence, like renaissance on, on TikTok and Twitter and like social media. Oh. Uh, the younger generations, like, discovering or rediscovering it. And yeah, I, I kind of bought into it, you know? I think I watched some of these films when I was younger and I read the book series when I was younger. Um, but it's actually nice to see that one of the primary examples of dystopian, like YA fiction and, and movies from that time period, like it pretty much holds up, I think. Um, nice. It was just like a nice little trip back in memory lane and, and seeing how re- it really was like a sort of star making role for, jennifer lawrence primarily but also um josh hutcherson like what happened to that dude i think he got lost in the blend of the chris's probably at some point yeah there's not much room for like kind of a boyish looking short king or you know there are not that many (laughs) roles for that kind of person i think in hollywood uh unfortunately uh what about (laughs) you helen what's going on with you I've had a really jam-packed week. Like I, I, I feel a little bit tired. You know, yeah. I'm. I've been meeting people for coffees and lunches and and dinners and stuff, and it's been really pleasant. Like I, I yeah, I've had a very full and beautiful week, just meeting both new people and also meeting mm. up with friends that I've known for years. Um, been eating really good food, mm. uh, incredible food. So I'm happy about that, but I'm really tired. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm incredibly tired. So I'm ready to just like hole up, which is tough because the weather's been getting better in New yeah. York. So, so maybe I'll just like sit on my deck and, uh, sip some iced beverages. But yeah, that's the whole point of having an outdoor space. I know. I know exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm really, I'm feeling my age a little bit. And there's a part of me that's like, do I have long COVID? And I don't know it. <laughs> um, or maybe I'm just not exercising, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a beautiful week, just like introducing spring to New York. So I'm happy Aww, and I hope everybody great. else has been enjoying it as much as I have. And now speaking of things you can hole up and do in your home, what did you watch this week, Palin? So I've been watching Perry Mason, which has its second season out right now. We are up to episode five. That's that's the amount of episodes that have been released since we're recording right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is on HBO Max. It is, if you don't know anything about Perry Mason, it's based on the detective fiction novels by Earl Stanley Gardner. And you could say, I guess it's a reboot of the 1950s, 1960s CBS TV adaptation. So back in the day, they adapted this for TV as like a very like courtroom procedural mm. Um, yeah, that, that was very popular back then. Um, so this HBO adaptation's first season came out in, I think, June 2020. So I yeah. watched it back then. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I watched it back then. We weren't able to talk about it because we didn't have a podcast when the first season was out. Wild, yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, but I'm really excited to talk about the second season. So, you know, that reboot with the first season, it was created by Roland Jones and Ron Fitzgerald. And it started that season with showing us the origin story of Perry, Perry Mason. Um, so it's set in 1932 Los Angeles. That's where we start, uh, post Great Depression. Um, we see Perry Mason, the character, uh, before he becomes a criminal defense lawyer. Um, so back then he was a private investigator, a very ballsy one, mm-hmm. um, towing lines, illegal <laughs> lines. Um, and each, I guess, like now that we're on season two, we realize that each season focuses on one case. So the first season was about Emily Dodson um, and the murder of her baby. And the tail end of that season saw Mason pass the bar and then become a lawyer. So he's like a fully fledged lawyer in the second season now. Um, and he comes to us in the second season also with new showrunners so awkward uh the first showrunners were i guess uh, kicked off or fired oh. or left mm. um not sure but they were certainly replaced by jack amiel and michael begler who they they were they worked on the nick uh, which was an hbo show mm. back in the day that's really very good as well and i highly recommend you watch that um so perry mason is played by matthew reese uh Wales finest uh, <laughs> actor. <laughs> well, not the finest, but he's certainly my favorite one right now. I always uh, but... forget that he is not American. Yeah, it's because I think like everyone knew him from Brothers and Sisters at first, yeah. and then obviously the Americans, the Americans. <laughs> where he met his now wife. Yeah, um, and he, you know, just like many people from Blighty and like from that side of the pond, very good at playing the American accent. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't have been able to tell, but he is very welsh um so when you hear him speaking english he sounds nothing like me he's more he's definitely a welshman um so he is uh joined by juliet rylance also a brit (laughs) as della street his assistant um and then also chris chalk as paul drake their now investigator he's an ex uh, police officer he's a police officer in the first season but now he's an investigator there's also justin kirk as the da hamilton burger and then shay wiggum is another private investigator pete strickland there's a bunch of other names like really famous faces that you'll see in this and this season focuses on the brooks mccutcheon murder which is like a fail son of this <laughs> oil tycoon um so it's it's giving a little bit of succession and logan but not not quite mm-hmm. so that's what we're doing you watched the first season when it came out or recently, Jenny? I watched it when it first came out. Um, oh, nice. Okay. And I, yeah. I think it was a little mixed on how the, the story unfolded, but like yeah. the thing that had going for it, besides, you know, a very excellent cast, was just the way they built this setting, the mood, yeah. the vibe. Like this is yes. the one of the most beautifully shot shows. It is one of the vibiest shows. I think definitely after yeah. watching the second season this time around, I was reminded of that fact. And at first maybe I felt like a little bit of it took like reluctance or I want to say it took me a while to want to get into the season because I was like, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. I'm not like, you know, champion at the bit to get into it. But once I yeah. started and once those you know, that, that slow tune and like the beautiful shafts of light yeah. and then the cinematography, like they, they just sort of like envelop you and you sink into this world and you want to just keep going. And so that's how it felt for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is definitely, we saw it in the first season, mm-hmm. but this is very much like 1920s, 1930s Los Angeles. Like 
the city as a character is like a whole feature of this season um you know watching something like babylon for example like again set in the same kind of era in the same like 10 to 20 years as this show and then chinatown which is like a very famous film too you get to you get to see a little bit more in detail like how much los angeles is um a certain type of city that has a certain type of history i think i agree with you in that the first season i'm overall mixed on it because Mm. i really didn't like how the case started how it ended and the thing that kept me was definitely matthew reese Mm. like i'm not gonna lie i'm a huge fan of his so i'm happy i stayed and i'm actually really really happy that i stayed for the uh, to keep watching this second season because it's so much better than Mm -hmm. the first like i want to talk to you a little bit about like the case and the mystery of it all how do you feel about this season's mystery so far i think it is smart in that it's using this case to also get at like the under not even underline so much as like overt um racism and like discrimination ag- against mexicans more or less that uh, is seems pervasive in the city at that time um not just at yeah. that time and not just in los angeles but you know uh i think it, it was like it's like a good feature because la is and california like it is so close to mexico there is like there, there are so many Latinos in California, uh, you know, along the, coming yeah. from the border everywhere. It's like a, a built in part of the culture. So this was a good case, yeah. I thought, to like sort of get at that thing that is relevant then, that is very relevant today. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually, yeah, even like surprised by some of the twists and turns that happened in the development of the case so far. Like I was yeah. genuinely thinking like, okay, they, they, they set up these poor kids. And it turns out, well, yes, they were set up, but actually, not in the way way that they lead you to believe at first. It's not quite such a simple, clear-cut tale. And the thing is, like, you can kind of see where it's going to go. Like, you ultimately... Well, I have a theory, and I think Mm -hmm. it's pretty obvious. But I'm excited to see how they get there, which is the most important part. And I'm restless for them to get there, too. And there's just something really masterful about how they're like doling out the information each episode mm-hmm. it's getting to the point where it feels a little bit like like you see it a lot in episodic tv especially with mystery where you can see the writer's room trying to just nudge you along j- just mm-hmm. until the next episode until the next episode yeah um and sometimes you lose patience and i just never do it's like we're five episodes in and i'm still excited and i wish there were five more instead of only three you know yeah like this is a very good well-paced drip of information and i totally agree it has that feel it it has a feeling of like hooking you in which Mm -hmm. is again Mm -hmm. like i started the season with some reluctance um but then before i knew it by the end of episode one i was like well shit i have like i'm gonna watch the whole thing like right now or in the next 24 hours yeah and you know i think you realize that happening off rip first episode nothing happens really Mm -hmm. like we're literally just like doing a little bit of throat clearing Mm -hmm. for the rest of the season catching up on what happened between last season and and this one setting the scene setting the mood just laying out the characters like really like honestly nothing happens like we don't see the murder until episode two which i think was fascinating and like immediately you understand that like they're not trying to hook you in as much if you remember with the first season we started with the murder and it's horrible like obviously it's horrible Yeah. yeah but it's just it's so like it felt so 
bombastic in a way that just didn't suit the mood of whatever it was going for, which was like this moody, you know, Great Depression era Los Angeles. Just because uh, I want to talk a little bit further about it, acting. Mm. Um, the actors in this, you know, we mentioned they're amazing. We've mentioned Matthew Reese; He's incredible. He's very singular. But how do you feel about the cast this season? It's good. I mean, I thought last season the cast was also good. And of course, they had the great Jonathan Lithgow also. Yeah, I think the cast continues to do well. I like that we're seeing a little more of some of the secondary characters, like even more of Della. I like that we see more of Paul Drake um, in different settings and also his wife getting a little bit involved. Uh, it, it does feel like Perry Mason, he's dealing with a lot. He can be a bit of a loose cannon. Um, so there has to be like a very competent team that's structured around him. And we're seeing like how competently that team does fill its role and does sort of step in and fill all the, you know, the parts that Perry Mason lacks and has to, like they are vital to keeping this team running, keeping like this case or going and ultimately uh, also like keeping the show running. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, considering his mental state, um, it's still bad. It's just like a different flavor of bad this yeah. season. Um, it, I love that it feels more like an ensemble cast. Like, I, I think I agree the the time spent on the secondary characters, like it doesn't feel secondary anymore. It feels like everybody has like a primary role and the way that they shift, like, you know how like classic TV structure, there's an ABC plot. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have your protagonist, the secondary character, usually like Della, for example, and then the C plot is Paul Drake. Um, they keep dancing around it. So like, depending on the episode, depending on what's going on in the case, like Paul Drake plays more of a prominent role or Della will play a more prominent role. And the way that they kind of just essentially like juggle that is, is pretty artful. There's a lot of new characters, obviously, for this season. Um, there is, I want to point out too, uh, one of them is Hope Davis, who you will also recognize from Succession. It's funny. She plays another like very very rich woman in this <laughs> it's just i love how that she's like yes that is my typecast i just play very wealthy women um but she's great in this too um the other one the other character is jen tucker um who plays della's new love interest i would say or like the person that she's mm-hmm. cheating on her girlfriend with <laughs> um i think her name is like anita but she plays like a professional screenwriter absolutely fabulous mm-hmm. I wish I was her. Yeah. If I could be like, if I could go back in time and be someone, I feel like I would love to be Anita just out here having my little lesbian love life, uh, just, you know, going to Spanish villas in the Palm Springs and like having sex at sunlight, uh, like golden hour and shit, smoking Turkish cigarettes. Yeah. Beautiful. Obviously, last episode, we feel like that's not going to end well. Like it's been too much of a fantasy, I think, for Della, but. Fantastic additions to the cast. Like I, I'm really enjoying the the different like personalities. It, it makes it feel so much more like realized and lived in and transporting, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's what the people do. Mm-hmm. In in that, um, I will say this this season has been getting more mixed reviews than I thought it would get. Oh um, really? I thought, yeah, I thought we all agreed as people with taste that this <laughs> season was much better. But I guess not. When I was like doing the googles. Um, yeah, there's a couple couple of critics that don't really like it that much. Um, Why is that? It's well, the thing is, I've realised that they keep comparing it, and they did this for season one too, to the CBS show, uh, which I have seen a couple of clips from. It's a different kind of show. It's a strictly courtroom procedural. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like in the courtroom 
figuring out who the murderer okay. is um and it's like a, it's like a lot of like got it's very entertaining you can see how it was such a hit back in the day but it's just like comparing apples to oranges yeah. it really isn't the same show like this is obviously it's an hbo version it's grittier there's more sex there's fucking there's money corruption and obviously there's a little bit more interiority for perry too yeah. which we're all interested in as like anti-hero lovers uh, you know it's interesting that that is a critique because um as someone who has not seen the cbs show like not a single clip of it i really didn't even know about it before i watched season one i was even like a little bit nervous that in se- this season they were gonna go too much into the courtroom because i wanted it to maintain that kind of noir um pi roots that yeah was so appealing in season one and i'm really glad that they they haven't left that behind entirely like we still see perry going around getting into stuff like in the late hours we we are following yeah. uh drake of course getting into all these different leads and situations so that yeah. is actually what i find really appealing and the courtroom stuff you know they balance that out well I really didn't want it to turn into strictly a court procedural, and I'm glad that it yeah. hasn't. Yeah. And with the end of the season, the first season, like it was a tail end of it that we saw the courtroom stuff, and they were very exciting because you'd spent so long just building and sowing the seeds of whatever the theorizing and whatever like the different facets of this mystery entailed. And I trust that they're going to do the same, if not better, for this, for this round, just because... You know, like, if my theory is correct, there's there's going to be a lot of barriers to in order to kind of unfold this mystery and, like, to actually make it come to the light of day. Um, but I trust that they will do it, and I trust that it will be very exciting. Um, speaking of, like, who do you think did it? <laughs> it as in, like, order the hit? Yeah. I guess probably his dad. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was pretty obvious. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I thought it was I'm pretty glad. Obvious. I'm glad <laughs> I got there. Yeah, and that actor, like I haven't seen him in a while. He was in Sound of Metal, if you remember. He was the guy at the uh, oh, the guy that plays the dad. Really? Yeah, yeah. He oh. was the guy at the place that Rizalme's character goes to. I yeah, just, like don't recognize <laughs> any actors in different contexts. I guess. Mate, that's what co- that's the beauty of costume, isn't it? I know they're they're <laughs> like they're succeeding at, at, at their job. Well, it's costume, and it's also like in Sound of Metal, he had a ponytail, and I feel like that just like makes facial blindness like the second you see like a man in a ponytail you're like right i just see the ponytail um but no he's great in this as well he's very like sinister and i'm excited i think the thing with me is i'm excited to see perry take him down honestly Mm -hmm. um so i hope they succeed but i really do recommend it after succession honestly it's the thing that i look forward to the most what to watch every week um so get into it let me know what you think So what did you watch this week, Jenny? This week, I watched The Big Door Prize, which is on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, it's a new series developed by David Westreed based on the book by M.O. Walsh. Uh, and new as in there have only been four episodes released mm-hmm. as of, you know, this point. So we're a little bit early, but uh, I'm liking it so far and I want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So basically, this show is about how life in a small town somewhere in the U.S. is disrupted by the mysterious arrival of a machine that tells people what their quote-unquote life potential is. 
uh, prompting many residents to then rethink their whole lives, their relationships, and and what they want for their futures. Uh, so it stars an ensemble cast. There's Chris O'Dowd as Dusty, a teacher who moved to the States from Ireland uh, with his family when he was young, and he ended up marrying his high school sweetheart. That high school sweetheart is played by Gabrielle Dennis. Uh, she plays Cass, uh, the wife of Dusty. There's Juliet Mars Trina, their teenage daughter. There's Damon Gupton as Father Ruben, the new priest in town. There's Sammy Forless as Jacob, the twin brother of Trina's boyfriend, who apparently recently died. Um, and that's just you know, the tip of the iceberg. There are several other characters in this town. It's very much like a here's a small town. Here's here are all the quirky or interesting characters within that town. Um, and so far, we've seen each episode has centered around a different character while still sort of like loosely moving the overarching story forward um, to the extent that there is an overarching story. I'm liking it. I'm actually liking this sort of episodic, very much, you know, rotating around the cast approach so far. I think the the premise is very simple, but it's just so intriguing. So they kind of have room to do a lot with it. Pellin, how far are you and what are your thoughts so far? I'm caught up on it too, and I immediately liked it just off of the first mm-hmm. episode. I think it really grabs you with its humor um, mm-hmm. and the way that it kind of faces up to this deeply, it feels like existential question. Mm-hmm. Um, I was immediately in. Like, I think there's a lot of shows that I like that do this. You know, The Leftovers is one. It's not necessarily a comedy, but it certainly like tries to grapple with this very existential question of humanity and it's like very big questions um and tries to do it in a small town with a set amount of like characters and the way that they approach it especially when the protagonist is a little bit reluctant um so Mm -hmm. i i was i was really quickly into it and it's yeah i think the the light-hearted tone of it helps quite a lot because it just that juxtaposition between that and just like what it deeply asks of you as a viewer uh, so, you know, put yourself in the position of these characters is, is yeah, there, there's like a maturity level there too, which I respect. Yeah, yeah. totally. I, I agree that balance of that lighthearted tone, like it is ultimately like if, to pick a genre, it is a comedy um, paired with the more existential questions and like these deeper emotional themes and, you know, thematic resonance, this question of like your life and how destiny or what people interpret as signs they can fundamentally like change your path like that's a great combination um i think i thought a little bit about the good place too when i saw this like the good place yeah although it kind of graded in some of the later seasons i think ultimately it finished on a similar high of like here are these hijinks here are these like beloved characters and here is actually like uh, sometimes even profound reflection on life and life's meaning and like the fundamental humanity of people. Uh, yeah, that's just like a solid winning combination. And here, I think so far, at least, you know, we've seen it being pulled off very well as well. I hope we do find out more about the machine, its origins, um, where it's going to go in the future. But in the meantime, I'm like more than happy to spend time with this very pleasant ensemble. Yeah, um, yeah. I Again, like, I agree with you that the humor is good. And I think especially I want to shout out 
the dialogue, especially for the yeah. younger characters, they actually sound like normal young people. I Are agree. you feeling this? I agree. Yeah. And the way that they're cast too is like, it, it fits mm-hmm. perfectly. It feels like, I, you know, it doesn't feel like they're acting with a capital A, like it feels very lived in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah, there's a comfort, there's a familiarity, there's like even like the lingering questions or resentment between other characters. Like it's all there. Um, I do hope you get to learn more about Trina's boyfriends mm-hmm. and Jacob's brother who died because that, again, only four episodes in, but that remains kind of like a, the elephant in the room for a lot of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there are just so many things that like still have yet to be fully unwrapped and like revealed, but I, so far I trust or I hope at least that they're coming because it does seem like the writing overall is pretty competent. It's pretty, pretty solid. So I would hope that they can deliver on everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it's something that we always talk about, isn't it? Like, not always, but I like think about as people is like mm-hmm. this, this debate between free will versus fate is just, mm-hmm. it's so fascinating that like this machine showed up. Um, and like immediately, like when you, when you see how, people get to where they need to go to get an answer out of the machine which is you type in your social security number and then give them your entire right. handprint of both of i'm your sure hands. that won't like come back to bite them in the right ass. like immediately i was like oh no um but it reminded me a lot of like severance if i'm gonna be real like there's there's something mm. about uh the the way that technology is used to answer these deeply human questions um that we have Mm. whether it's like the separation of work and the rest of your life and something like this which is you know fate and free will um Mm -hmm. but i enjoy it like i really like it when it gets to the point where it feels like it gets under your skin and obviously you just ask yourself these questions as soon as it's posed to the characters what you're doing is working out how you're going to answer them for yourself that's just really cool it's really cool yeah yeah Yeah. and we see all these different manifestations of like the kinds of reactions and response that one can have to this. Like some are so excited to have something revealed that they never thought might happen for them. Like something that immediately elevates them to a different mindset or they picture a different lifestyle in the future. Um, Some are get it confirmed that what they're doing is their quote unquote destiny or life potential, which may be comforting in some cases, may be depressing in others. Like you're like, wow, all these other people are being told these amazing things about how they're going to live. And this is it for me. Like, this is all I get in this life. I want to ask you about Chris O'Dowd. Yeah. It's just, you know, king of never doing a different accent. Um, I think the one time he tried was probably in Girls. Like, he tried to do a a New Jersey accent um, and failed kind of miserably, to be honest. Uh, But, you know, in Bridesmaids, he stayed Irish, which was really weird um, because he was a police officer in that. (laughs) But in this one, there's actual actual backstory as to, like, why his accent is there. Although I I do kind of feel like they they got Chris O'Dowd and they, like, had to... You know, oh, they wrote around it. Drum sure. up a little, yeah. Drum up a little bit of a an explanation for why this Irish yeah. guy is like here yeah. in, in the middle of nowhere. And like I will say, if you moved to America from Ireland as a young kid, um, it's very easy mm-hmm. to hop, skip, and jump over to the American accent. I feel like you would he would have just had it. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he is really good in this. I I really like. Yeah. You know, it's it's exactly his flavor of 
awkward self-deprecating um yeah yeah like uh, like slightly curmudgeon yeah. other times slightly willing to be the clown uh it's good yeah, yeah. this is really from what i've seen of Kristal, like this does kind of track with his strengths and i'm glad yeah. that the show leans into that yeah um yeah i think the casting in general is like really good i think gabrielle T- dennis is, is the wife cast is very good they're great Again, together the teenagers too. are great yeah they're great they're great um you can actually see if not the outright sparks of chemistry you can see like how they have like this well-worn groove of love and affection for each other from over the decades um and that's really clear and that's that's not always easy to do with to just like random actors yeah. and characters i wanted to ask you as for like you and, and us um if you were in this situation would you use this machine to find out your life potential no you wouldn't you would you would be the holdout yeah, like that, yeah. no, I'm um, not doing that it. bartender is yeah i'm not doing it you know why, why? Be- what, what do you okay. think yeah um i'm too scared that it will tell me something that i don't want to hear and that yeah. That as someone that suffers from depression, <laughs> you don't. I'm like I'm not equipped to prove anybody wrong if they tell me that that's what I'm destined to do. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't yeah. just be like, no, fuck you. I'm going to prove you wrong. Like no, I will say like in my life, it's been said to me before where like when I was a kid, I think I was like 17, and we were all doing our applications for like Oxbridge at, at, in our sixth form. One English literature teacher said to me uh, that I'm not Cambridge material, so I shouldn't bother applying. Obviously, I applied anyway, um, and I did get in. <laughs> I completed and I graduated, and that felt great, but like it ultimately doesn't matter. And the way that I felt at that time when he said that was terrible. Like it really feels That's terrible. That's a shit thing to say. Yeah. And. But he was just some guy, you know, like, I, I think yeah. I applied anyway, because I was like, well, that's your opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas this isn't so much of an opinion, it feels like there might be some truth to it, especially if like, you find out that some people got the thing that they're actually doing right now. And that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I would avoid it at all costs, because um, yeah. otherwise, I'm not doing anything with my life. Um, so I can I can see that for sure. Like, it's, yeah. it can prompt a kind of despair or passiveness actually with you know you you resign yourself to the fact that like oh shit like this is like yeah this is it for me yeah how about you i think i would definitely have the same fear mm-hmm. um but i i do think ultimately like my curiosity would get the better of me i think i could not stop myself from eventually mm. caving and and going there in the middle of the night to find out and i'm sure i would be possibly devastated as well like it really it did make me think about all the times previously you know when you are young and people tell you like yeah oh yeah you're gonna do such great things or etc etc like it, when i was in i want to say middle school like i had an english teacher who uh i was really fond of her she was like this old lady who this like spry old lady who would like really love getting cre- giving creative writing prompts and i love doing those creative writing prompts and i thought i was gonna be like huge like fancy novelist or something yeah. and she was like you know you're so good yeah. like you are gonna go to like i can see you you're gonna go to yale you're gonna do like a huge thing yeah. i don't know why she picked yale either it was like <laughs> i didn't end up like getting into like a single ivy league or right, anything. Right, right, so yeah. Yeah. but it made me think of that and of how when you're young especially there are all these hopes and dreams yeah. and like 
expectations of people put upon you of like, oh, you're going to do X, Y, Z. You're going to do great things. Or like, I'm going to do great things. Like people tell me how, pat me on the head and like, tell me how smart I am all the time. Um, I hadn't thought about that stuff in a while. Cause I, at this point I am like an adult. I, <laughs> I have more or less accepted, like, this is kind of where I am right now. Like maybe I do still have hopes and dreams of the future, but it sure as hell, like, isn't going to happen for me like that. Like I thought it would. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, and I, <laughs> I think it's funny. I think it says everything that you need to know about me and Jenny that we both just assume we're going to get shit stuff. Um, if we ever use this machine, because <laughs> my therapist, oh, I guess so. Shit, yeah, yeah, my therapist would probably say, but what if you get something incredible? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just- I think it would be safer for humanity in general. Like it would be better for humans in general to not know. Yeah. It's the sort of like unknowability that therefore like s- inspires this kind of hopefulness about the future that keeps us going yeah. as like humans. So yeah, it is probably not a good thing. And that is why like we see like the priest, like he is so suspicious of it and all the yeah. phenomenon that it has sparked. Um, like there's a reason for that. Yeah. Do you, um, I know that we'll probably get into it, but do you have a theory as to where this machine came from? I can't help but think that it's some like, scary corporation because again like all the social security stuff like the getting your biometrics um but i really have no idea and that's i think part of the Mm. pleasure for me where i'm just like who who the fuck like where the fuck did this thing come from and like what are they gonna tell us yeah i think i have a theory that it is a scary corporation that's doing a psychological experiment on this small town oh so i think it's trying to measure the of honestly long-standing philosophical question of like fate versus free will and they're trying to yeah. monetize and theorize it so i think mm. i think that's probably my theory oh, that's but a we'll good see. theory yeah i guess we'll find out there um obviously there's this season still left to go and also there's the news that uh this show has already been renewed for season two so i guess it will continue This week, in lieu of regular culture notes, we're going to take this time to chat a little bit about what everyone else is chatting about right now, Love is Blind. Yeah, dude. Specifically, season four. It's currently out. Um, I think most of the episodes have been released, except for the final batch, which will focus on like the outcome of this experiment, ultimately, as well as the reunion. So, yeah, let's just like get into it, just freewheeling discussion um is this maybe the wildest season we've had yet i think so yeah so this this season is set in seattle slash like basically pacific northwest is where they've kind of pulled a lot of the talent from (laughs) i say talent Talent, these are real people but uh you know are they um so (laughs) (laughs) so it is definitely like off rip wild like i I think the characters the the way that the producers have cast this they have you know really figured out who would be the most batshit and uh put them all in one room and somehow pair them all up together um so congrats to the producers you guys have still got it um you know last season had its fair share of drama but like just this is you know this is just fascinating yeah yeah there's there's some drama you know, in general for reality TV, which is like, can be kind of gross. Like there, there's some drama that feels like a little bit 
it makes you feel bad to watch it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's some, and then there's other drama that you watch it and you grab your popcorn and you're like, holy fucking shit. Yeah, dude. And this season I think is more of that kind of drama. It's not the kind that makes you be like, you feel like such a shit person for watching yeah, it. Um, yeah. Because the people involved are like shitty and yeah, generally like the people doing terrible things are pretty shitty in the season. Yeah. Um, and, and like from the beginning, yeah. it's something, something that happens quite early on, which really I'd missed to be honest was, uh, girl on girl drama, uh, which we haven't seen since, I guess, the early no. aughts of reality TV, uh, no. like TV like this anyway. Um, yeah, fascinating. And you really think, you really think it would happen more in this kind of situation, but at least we haven't seen it to this extent no. uh, by far. Yeah. Um, yeah, there definitely, there emerged like a couple of villains, I think, in the girl's suite early yeah. on because mean of this kind sure. of mean girl behavior. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then she- it's actually fascinating how the villain has just like changed as the season has progressed oh, because yeah. we've seen more of these people. Yeah. So at the beginning, it was Irina and Micah, I'm going to say, because the two of them yeah. paired up as friends. You know, Micah, Micah's deal, I'm still not sure of it. I'm not sure either. It started off, I think, with her basically just wanting all of the male attention. Um, she wanted first choice and wanted to take from a couple of other women, even though she was going to turn these guys down eventually. Um, and shout out to the fact that she looks like a lot like a British girl, like a lot like someone <laughs> from this side of the pond. Uh, she's very Molly May's cousin. She she lives in Scottsdale here, if that tells you anything, you Americans. Like, you'll understand also when I say this okay. girl looks like a Scottsdale girl. <laughs> anyway, so, it, you know, her and Irina started off that way. And I think at some point, it, it was stayed just to Micah, shifted back to Irina, and then it became Jackie, which was fascinating, honestly. The, the female villain story in this season, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of it. Um, I love my anti-heroes. Uh, they're all amazing. Um, did you have a favorite villain out of the season so far? Like, is there anyone that is your personal, like, yeah, she's got it. She's good TV. Oh, God. I mean, all of them, to be honest. Yeah. But- like, Irina seems almost, like, kind of tailor-made to play this stock villain, stock mean girl, in a way. Like, yeah. in a way that's, like, almost, like, I can't believe there was no self-awareness there. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll say, like, the Jackie stuff was just more shocking. And that's stuff that has been sort of unveiled in more recent episodes. Yeah. And I, I'm a, I mean, I'm reluctant to really dig into her that much more because apparently she does have a lot of like family and like personal problems but that doesn't wholly excuse of course just like the completely i mean terrible like truly terrible way that things have gone down from her end um with marshall i find her so funny i i want i want to just like just say as a declarative statement which is that this season is a season of the ick and what it does to women uh so Irina, I think, uh, initially, like, obviously her, like, weird mean girl behavior at the pods, like, that aside, once she met Zach, you could immediately tell that she wasn't attracted to him. Um, yeah. and then her behavior then unfurled because of this very. She was really fact. awful about it, too. Yeah. She was so bad about it. And it's just like, she's awkward. She doesn't know what to do. And, like, obviously, 
there's certain rules of production that happen behind the scenes that we are all aware of, which is like they need to get to a certain point or like yeah. elite, like they're, they're encouraged to, to not quit, um, up until a certain point of the season. Um, and then I think with Jackie, honestly, I just think she thought Marshall was icky. Like, I think she just thought he was not what she wanted, that he was too, yeah uh well-meaning like a little bit too well-meaning and i'm did I've you look- um did you see the text that or alleged yeah. text i think yeah. okay yeah we're basically like allegedly it's her where, where right. she was like you know i really th- think he's gay or like she right i mean it came off a little bit like homophobic not for good sure. to, yeah, yeah not, not no, good not great not no, good no no not great and i think yeah. you know immediately <laughs> just like the way that she was talking uh, after she met him you could tell that you know a, a couple of people said this where she was just like is she mad at him because he's not a red flag like right right it's going on but i'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt in that i think it isn't that she wanted a scumbag necessarily i think she just wants a certain type of macho man and that's what she's attracted to um yeah and yeah there's yeah. like there's like a lot of homophobia like laced into that um not that right. obviously marshall is not gay but like the, these are the like the things that affect the we the way we see heterosexual relationships and i think she has a very fixed idea of what that looks like um yes. yeah how did you yeah. feel <laughs> how did you feel about her keeping the ring Oh my god! I was like <laughs> screaming in that final scene. That's just like so, so funny, audacious. So like I don't funny. even know. Like I know, but uh, again, like going back to this idea of like extremely heterosexual, like female male role relationship norms. Like I know of plenty of women that like they don't think that it that you should give the ring back. Like. You, even if they even if they even if they're the, the ones that like don't want the marriage yeah because it's like you gambled really? on me and i'm the house and you lost and now i get to keep it. yeah oh i'm the house God. so like i get i i keep the i chips. had no idea yeah dude that there's like a whole yeah there's like a whole philosophy of women that are just like well you know you tried uh i keep this because you That's wasted my time wild. essentially and I, and we're not gonna do this anymore the, the thing is like i'm again i don't agree with the way that she approaches relationships but i can get why she's not attracted to marshall in that he seems a little bit like he's the savior of her um and this this relationship i think the way that that was established was you know pretty early on we saw when she was having an emotional breakdown essentially like where she was crying um and couldn't stop crying he felt like it was on him to be like i'm gonna make you see what love is about you're just running away because you don't see how good i am for you and i just vehemently yeah, disagree I mean, with that approach the and way it, that he like, he called her a project was like not flattering that no. was like not good for but sure. that's the truth like he really sees her as like oh my god she's so broken and i'm the one to fix her and i fucking hate that shit and i think that's gross as well and the fact that he thought that you know he has the power to do that is yeah that's the ick to me as well like i totally get why she was like suddenly repelled by him i I think she saw that in him and was like repelled by it because it's like who the fuck are you to think that you can just come in here and like essentially like try and fix me i'm not 
if I'm broken, then whatever. Like the thing that she said where she's like, I think I need to just do some self-work. Honestly, I was like, yes, good. Like at least you recognize that in yourself. Um, but yeah, yeah, like obviously she's wrong for how she went about it, but I also think he's wrong for how he went about it too. So I'm not like, you know, fully anti-Jackie either. I just think she needs ultimately, to kind of like change how she sees men. You know, not compatible. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were never going to make it to the. Oh anyway, no! So, do you have a favorite couple? Well, I think everyone's favorite couple probably is um, Brett and Tiffany. Yeah. They're being to- like presented as the the model couple, yeah. the next Lauren and Cam. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's honestly really nice to see a slightly older couple like they're both in their mid 30s yeah and are mature they have careers they they kind of know what they want i think it's great to have a couple like that on the show i think it's honestly yeah like if you want some more maturity that kind of age is probably what you should be going for. yeah yeah um so it's it's very good to have that kind of model couple on here, like yeah. contrasted with yeah. all the other mess. I think uh, I still don't think anyone's going to make it down the aisle, though. <laughs> like even though, really, they, yeah, I, I think even though they are, they obviously like each other a lot. Just the show's premise in and of itself is so broken that obviously people are going to feel rushed, and obviously people are going to feel like too mm-hmm. much is happening all at once, and I think that's just going to make her freak out and like quit that's my theory i haven't seen like we haven't seen the last episode so i guess we'll find out i i think like if i had to predict i would say that they make it okay you know down the aisle i do think they'll probably say yes i'm gonna also predict actually good things for zach and blitz do you reckon is i think so i think they're actually like i think you might oddly weird suited to each other i think you know zach is definitely He's presented as this kind of weirdo, and I can see also where some people might dislike him. Yeah. He has won me over a lot more, I think, just with, like, knowledge of where he came from, and then seeing how he works with Bliss, and, like, how, you know, his interests work, yeah. his career work together. Yeah. Um, I think, um... Bliss is father is awful, I Awful, and that's, I think, I agree with you, because I think out of spite, or not spite, but just to prove a point to her father... I think she's going to walk, walk down the aisle as well because he's, uh, no, don't get me wrong. I agree with everything he said, but it was just like, all right, give it sure, up. Sure. Yeah. Like, give it up, dude. Like, obviously, this isn't, like, he kept, like, butting in and, you know, well, I don't. Well, I don't yeah. think so. And it's like, all right, okay. Yeah. Like, he, he wouldn't let her talk. He was just, like, condescending remark upon remark. And again, like, the things he is saying, like, are not wrong. Like, this is a batshit. Yeah. Like, the show, we've established this show is, like, it's, it's pretty absurd just in general the the conceit of it but you know you don't have to be such a fucking downer about it like this is how so many dads talk to their daughters like um, it made me just like livid seeing that um how do you feel about um micah and paul (laughs) they're such a strange couple to you know consider i i would not have guessed at the beginning that they could last um but you know seeing actually as time has gone on and as micah's Continue to get drunk at every function, um, but how she has now started to get drunk and be like, I miss Paul. I love Paul. Right. It's, there may be an ounce of something there. Like, sure. it's hard to act when you're drunk, to be yeah. honest. Like, yeah. whenever you're drunk, like, plastered like she has been, there must be something revealed. Yeah. Um, but do I think they're, like, lifestyles are ultimately compatible? Probably not. No, she dude. lives in Scottsdale, yeah. you know? No. And also, I find it really annoying that she thinks she's above him 
Yeah, he's like he's, he's a, a catch. Good looking dude. Like, and he's smart. He's like a scientist. He has his own home. He's, like, he also seems in, like very in all mother, very even keeled as well. Like, I really like his yeah. like just his general temperament too. Um, and then obviously, finally, we've got um, Kwame and Chelsea. Uh, thoughts? They're not. They're definitely not. Gonna no, it's not going to work out. He doesn't want to be in Seattle. Like, my yeah, my I mean, thing like, is, first and <laughs> my thing is like before they like get to the point where they propose, like, don't they talk about this? Aren't they like, I live here, you live there. What are we gonna do? If well, I would guess that it would be like they do talk about it, but ultimately they in the pods, I I think their reaction would be like, oh well, that's not so far, or like oh we can make it right, work. We'll figure it but out. then when you yeah yeah when you meet the person and when you start to determine like. Is this person actually worth like moving three hours? Right, away right, for? right. Like that is yeah. when the the deal breakers start. Oh, out. buddy, as someone that moved five thousand miles away, when it's real, you'll go anywhere. You'll go anywhere. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. No, this this season is fascinating. I'm really, I'm really interested to see how it lands. Um, it, yeah. you know, in the final episode, but also in the reunion episode. Like, I think this is where when you get these types of characters and you get these types of story arcs. The reunion episodes are really money, man. Like, they're really, really great. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited. But if you are watching anything that you think we should check out in the meantime, please let us know at criticismisdead at gmail.com. You can also at us or DM us at criticismisdead on Twitter and Instagram. For extended show notes, including links to everything that we've been talking about and more, please subscribe to our newsletter, criticismisdead.substack.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts with a sweet little five stars and tell a friend about us. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. Bye. Criticism is Dead is produced by Pelin Keskin Lu and Jenny Chijong. Our music is by Rika. Our artwork and design are by Sarah Macias and Andrew Lu. 